chapter 20. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20, looking at a parable here this morning. And uh, I think this will certainly be a help to us. I'm looking forward to it. I did hear from Brother Greg Tusing this week, who moved to Virginia, if you remember. They're doing well. He made it all the way there. He had texted and said they're doing good. And uh, so continue praying for him. And uh, we also have, of course, thinking of that, because he found us through the radio ministry. I believe Brother Terry Brown, you found us through the radio ministry as well. Is that right? Is that how you first found our church? Yeah, he, and actually, get to know him. He's wanting to come and unite with the church as well. And uh, so we're glad that he's here. But the Lord's been using that lately. I'm certainly excited about it. But be praying for Greg. As, as we looked at a few churches there, as they're now going to be starting basically right now, finding a church right there um, in Virginia. Uh, but anyhow, Matthew chapter 20, starting there in verse number 1. It said, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And he went about the sixth hour. He did the same thing. And then at the ninth hour, the same thing. And he did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They stand to him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So, when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give unto them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. When they came, they that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed they should have received more, and they uh, likewise received every man a penny. When they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that... Thine is, and go thy way, I will give it unto this, uh, unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is that I evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask your blessing upon the message this morning. Lord, I pray that you be glorified and honored, and I pray that you would... Lord, control what I say and how I say it, Lord. Uh, help me to give the truth of this parable out. May it help us with our walk with you. May it draw us closer. May it strengthen us, Lord. So please use it, Lord, right here in our church this morning. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly repented and placed their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that even today they would repent and make that decision to follow Christ, Lord. So please work, Lord. I pray that you be glorified and honored. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Give me one second. Some grab Kleenex real quick. <clears throat> we certainly live in a culture right now that is obsessed with fairness. It is just obsessed with fairness. Um, you know, everybody crying, that's not fair, that's not fair. And, and that's what's really taking place in our text right now is a group of men that have worked, uh, um, some have worked a full 12 hours and they start crying out, that's not fair. 
A lot of times when you perceive something that isn't fair, you better be careful because you can end up making some really bad choices. And that's what we see almost taking place right here. I remember I did that. I was, I was, uh, I, I just back from the second year of going to a YMCA camp. I started going to YMCA camps, I think, 10 when I went to my first one. And the, the first one was just a regular standard camp called Centerville Mills, and they did all activities, and it was two weeks. And, and then when I hit about uh, 12 years old, I got to go to another camp, uh, a YMCA camp. That was, that was the one I've mentioned before in preaching with horses in it. And I went two years to that one. And so you went there for the two weeks. You were assigned a horse, and, and they taught you how to take care of them, and you rode them for those two weeks, and I greatly enjoyed that. I mean, I grew up, I, I lived at this time right by Cleveland Airport. You know, we, I live in a, a tiny apartment. My grass yard is about the size of three foot, and then it's just cement. So I greatly enjoyed getting out with those horses. It was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And now, that, by the time we finished my second year, we had moved to a different location. Um, I, I knew about, I, I really don't remember the miles, probably about five to seven miles away, there was a, like a, a ranch there with horses. I didn't know what they did, but I got back from the camp and asked my mom if I could ride my bike there and see if I could work there. And she said yes. So I took off on my bike. I went there. I still remember meeting the lady that was there that ran it. There were, she had several horses. It was this huge property. And, and I had asked her, I said, I was, I was 14, and I said, I, w- I, would, like to, I would like to work told her I just got from this camp. I really enjoyed the horses. And she said, that's fine. Come in tomorrow and I'll put you to work. Now, at 14, really what I wanted to get paid to do was ride horses. But I'm getting ready to figure out that's not what they pay you to do. <laughs> and so I show up the next day bright and early, all excited. This is my first real job that, I, that, that I've had. I rode my bike there and I get there and she has these several gallon of paint cans and paint brushes sitting there. And all the same color, and she says, the fence around the property needs painted. Like, what? It's huge. I've never painted anything in my life, number one. All right? I have not yet. And this, this fence is enormous. And I'm like, wow. And I'm looking at the stalls where the horses are, like, I'm going to be over there. <laughs> and so, anyhow, I painted it. I got those cans. It took me all day to paint it. And almost all day. Didn't, didn't quite take all day. And it was like a wooden fence, you know, with two things going in. And I, I, I painted it. And I got it done. And to be honest, I was all excited. I couldn't believe I had just painted this fence. And it was good it was outside because there was paint all over the ground. There was grass and grove and everything else. And I get done, though. And I was expecting her to be all, all excited. And maybe she'll say, let's, you know, I'll take you for a ride on one of the horses or something like that. No, that didn't happen. She, she was fine with it. She said, it needs another coat. I left. <laughs> I quit. I thought, that's not fair. I came here to ride horses. Now, the reality was, that was my own misconceptions, my own unrealistic expectations of what work was. It led me to this conclusion that somehow she was perfectly logical. What she asked was perfectly reasonable, but I viewed it somehow as not fair. And I and it was embarrassing because my mom made me go back and get paid for the hours that I did work. And I did not want to, but I, still, I did do that. I went back there. Well, in our text, we have people crying out after working all day. It's simply not fair. Now, I think if we're honest, I know it was true for me. I remember when I would read this text at times, it would throw me. 
I would be like, they have a point. They worked. They worked 12 hours as compared to the one, the one group that worked one hour, and they got the same pay. And at first, this is something that, that you, you, all of us could be prone to say, well, that's, that's not fair what just happened here. But the reality is, it really is an amazing story what takes place with great lessons for us. It's not one of those I'd imagine the first time you read it without understanding that you're actually just thrilled at what you're reading and seeing take place. Goodness that is actually here. There are many people, though, who actually believe God is not fair. Too often we, base, we, we judge God or base something God does on something that is not true because of our sinful nature and how we perceive a certain situation. And that can lead you to a conclusion that isn't right of believing God just isn't fair. Make no mistake, our sinful nature affects how we view God and how we view what God does. It causes us to question God's goodness we can begin to think God's not fair. You could think one family that goes through a measure of suffering, and boy, if they're not careful, the devil comes in, and they begin to think, why us? Why me? Why is this happening? I've been working all the day long for the Lord. This isn't fair. Somehow we begin to think that God is unjust. Listen, make no mistake, The devil works very hard at getting you to question God's goodness. He needs to put that doubt in your mind that God is good. He wants you to doubt that fact. He wants you to believe God's not fair. You know, when you get into different texts, even in the Old Testament, I'm thinking of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18. One of the charges that is levied against the kingdom of Judah was their accusing of God being not fair. Incredible. Do you understand that God is just? He cannot be unjust. It's who He is. He is just and He is good. So before you throw this parable away, I think once you understand it, you're just going to see that this parable is full of God's grace and God's goodness. The parable is not at all about injustice. The parable is about God's amazing grace. So, let me dive into this parable a little bit. And then I'll get into the points. First off, this this parable is surrounded by a proverb that Jesus often used about the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So this is a parable teaching about that very principle and that point. We have a man who's a householder. In other words, he's a property owner. Um, He owns a vineyard. These were very common in Israel. Usually vineyards, vineyards would be on the side of slopes and mountains. And they would be very difficult to work. It was hard work. Uh, when they worked them. Um, They would prepare the soil in the spring, prune in the summer, and then harvest in the fall. The harvest had to be done very quickly before rains arrived or had the potential of destroying their crops. When the harvest time hit, it required uh, uh, the the owner of the vineyard to get a lot of laborers to come in and quickly harvest uh, um, 
the fruit. Now, also understanding this, it's important to understand that the Jewish workday was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., six days a week. The hired laborers that were dealing with for a harvest, they would be basically the, similar to any culture, the, the unskilled workers, the lowest paid workers, if you will, uh, because they were unskilled. They would be more the poor of the society, working a day at a time. Because of this, when you go to, when you go to the Old Testament, like Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 15, is where it, in, in the law it's given that when you have the poor workers, the unskilled laborers that are coming in to work for you, you have to pay them that day it was required. And it, it talks about Deuteronomy 24, it puts it in a more of a compassionate way, saying, listen, their heart's set on that. They're going to need that money that day. These are people that are living uh, for that day, what they can get to eat right then and there. So, the, 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 the employers were inquired, were, excuse me, were required to pay each laborer that day. That's what we see taking place in the parable. So, in our parable, the owner of the vineyard goes to the marketplace where uh, the location to hire laborers. He shows up there. I remember I did this once with my, my stepfather as his own plumbing business. Depending on what he was doing when I would work with him, if he needed more laborers, if they're going to be digging or different things like that, it didn't require a skill, he'd actually went to one of those locations and you literally would have workers there and he would hire them on the spot to come and work. And so that's what's taking place here. So he goes... Um, he heads out, he's going to pay them, and he finds some, the first group, at 6 a.m. in the morning. This is when he starts. Um, and uh, he, he agrees to this law-binding contract. They agreed that they would work for a penny. Now, you cannot think of this as one of our pennies right here. It's a Daenerys. The pay that he is giving them, this penny, is actually very good pay for a day laborer. It's excellent. It's the same day wage as a skilled laborer, is what he's paying them. He's paying them a good, a good pay. I think that's one thing that throws us off, because in English, we see the word penny, and we're thrown by that. He's actually given equal pay that a Roman soldier would make for that day. That's what he's going to pay him. It was a day's pay for a skilled worker. So these men, when the contract by law was made, they're very happy. They know they're getting paid well for being a laborer in the field. So they agreed to the owner. Um, they knew it was good pay. It's legal. It's law. It's done. Then the landowner goes back, the Bible tells us, what would be 9 a.m. He hires more workers. He needs some more. However, they do not agree on a price of a payment. They agree to work for whatever uh, 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 the, the Lord of the, uh, of the land would pay them. Then he goes back at 12 o'clock and does the same thing with more workers. They agree to whatever the Lord would pay. He goes back at 3 o'clock. He hires even more to the exact same agreement. Whatever, whatever he deems is right, they agree to work for that. There's, there, there's been no actual financial amount that has been given to them. They just agree, whatever he deems is fair, we'll work for that. He goes back at 5 p.m., there's still workers there, and he asks them, why? Why, why? why are you still here? They explain, no one's hired us. And so he does. They wanted work, and he knew it. And he said, I'll hire you. Go work. <clears throat> and he gives them the same agreement, that he made all the others from 9, 12, 3, uh, at, at 9, 12, and 3 o'clock. 
So understand this. This is important to this parable. The first group that was hired for very good pay, they had the law as their guarantee for their pay. The other group had the Lord of the land was their guarantee for their pay, not the law. So, the 12th hour comes. It's now 6 p.m. It's time to get paid. Work is done. All the laborers come over to get paid. And we now see the first, uh, the last first and the first last. The last group that just showed up at 5 o'clock, they're the very first ones to get paid. And they get paid that penny. Now the other ones, especially those, the, the, especially those who came in at, at, at 6 a.m., they're thinking, Wow. What are we going to get? That's what they're thinking immediately. Their expectations were high. I mean, they're thinking, wow, he's he's really going to pay us. He's just given them that pay. But as each group comes through, they each receive the same amount. And then it gets to that last group that had been there for 12 hours. Again, they think they're going to get paid a lot. Their expectations are way up. But the pay is given, and it's the Daenerys. That's what they get paid. All of a sudden, they're angry, and they're bitter. They murmur against the Lord of the land, of the house. And they say, how we have worked all the day. We we broke the heat of the day. Yet these other workers work for only one hour, and we get the same pay? He's made us equal to them. And they truly believed there was an injustice that was being done. What they're saying is, again, that's not fair. But again, it's going to show the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Showing, one, they were all equal before God. They did not understand. But the Lord of the vineyard explains it. He tells them, I've done you absolutely no wrong at all. You agreed to work for this amount. You are more than happy when I told you this is what I will pay you. And it was very good pay for what they were getting paid to do. The owner never changed his agreement. He never altered it. He stuck to exactly what he said he would do. And he points out an important point. He said, don't let the fact of my goodness to others cause you to think evil of me. The workers received exactly what they're supposed to, and it was very good pay. They were envious over the other workers. They were envious over the Lord's goodness to others. So now, let me jump into the lessons from this that we can learn. Number one, it is much better in life to trust in God's benevolence than your bargain with God. Much better to trust simply in God's benevolence and God's goodness than what you can bargain with God. The first group trusted in their law-abiding agreement. The rest trusted in the grace and mercy of that Lord. Not one of them said, well, first, no, no, you need to tell me what I'm going to get paid. You let me know. They trusted, no, yes, whatever you think is fair, we'll work. That's fine. Listen, the fact is grace always pays better than law. It always does. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. You can ask that woman taken in adultery. Trusting in God will bring greater dividends in your life 
than you trying to work out some bargain with God. You simply have to trust Him knowing that He is good and that He is just. The truth is you don't want God to agree with you for your bargain. Trust Him. He really knows what's best for you. We underestimate the goodness of God. You know, we can think, look over in Psalm chapter 84. This is one of the one of the very first verses that I'd ever memorized in the book of Psalms. Verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God desires to show his goodness. We can think of great chapters like Romans chapter 8. Where when you get into starting around, was around verse 31, 32 on down, what shall separate us from the love of God? I mean, it goes on just to, again, just a demonstration of how good God is. We can see what happens with those who tried to bargain with God and God basically pleading with them, don't do this. Moses bargaining with God. Finally, the Lord relents, take Aaron. Just simply not trusting God. Lot, trusting in his reason and his bargain, where Abraham simply trusted in God. Who may not better? This parable shows us God's goodness upon men. It in no way shows unfairness on God's part. The men were not mad about the owner being greedy. Think about this. They were mad at his grace. They received grace too. But they completely lost sight of it because they were too focused on others. Don't lose sight of what God has done for you because you're too busy looking at others. Think of God's grace in your life. The prodigal brother had this problem, didn't he? Losing sight of the position he had with the father when the son returned. He didn't like the grace his dad was showing him. Jonah was mad at God's grace. Why did Jonah run? It wasn't because he was afraid. He ran because he knew God would save him. He knew what God would do. He knew of God's goodness. He knew of God's long-suffering. Because all of a sudden it hit him that God wants to be good to, the, to, to these other people. No. He wasn't having it. No, God, be good to me. He's a prophet of God. He has God's grace. The fact is, God does love us and He wants what's best for us. We have to trust Him with what He is doing. Even if in in the moment you think it's unfair, don't lose sight of God's grace in your life. You follow Him. You trust Him. 
you'll be amazed at how he can use his goodness to guide you. And I was talking with uh, uh, Michael yesterday, asking how it was going, you know. And uh, I said, you know, how many meetings did this cost you, this delay? And he said, really? He goes, we ended up with more meetings just in the area we were at. He said, I've had to reschedule some. And he said, there might be a couple that I can't reschedule. He said, but, but through this, I went to other churches, and those churches have taken us on. And I think he said two, three, I don't know, maybe it was more than that, I can't remember. But yeah, they've taken him on throughout all this. The Lord knows. You trust in his goodness. I mean, again, I had the same thing happen when my motorhome ripped open on the very first week of debutation. Just really mad at God there for a few minutes. Daniel's thumb is off, well, hanging there by skin. And, and my motorhome back in ripped open. And I'm like, this is, I got so many meetings right now, Lord, I don't get this, I don't understand. He had it all taken care of. Just have to trust him. Don't allow God's grace towards others to make you jealous. That's what's going on here. They're mad at the, at, at, at the Lord's grace towards other men. Instead, allow it to remind yourself of how good God really is. Let it remind you of all the times that God's grace has been more abundant in your life at times. We also see this lesson, the second lesson we learn from this, is how God rewards. It's interesting, isn't it? It's based not on length of service necessarily, but on faithfulness, willingness, and trust. I mean, the fact that those men were willing to trust uh, uh, um, the owner of the land, the owner of the, of the vineyard, they were willing to trust him, they're going to trust in his goodness, they were willing to work, they were faithful at it, and they were rewarded for it. It's a good lesson on how God rewards us. They were faithful. And understand, he wanted to be good to them. He honored their trust in him. He honored their faithfulness when they were trusting him. The Lord always loves that, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Those men outside of the first group that was hired at six were working based on trust. Faith. God honors that in our life. He honors our willingness to trust Him, our willingness and our faithfulness to follow through with that trust. Thirdly, we see God rewards those who seize the opportunities that are given them. Think about this just for a second. I, I think this is a portion of this parable that we miss. He goes back at 5 o'clock. There's one hour left in the workday and that's it. There's men still standing there. You think they would have left around three o'clock? Four o'clock. We're not going to get hired. They waited. Five o'clock. So he asked them. It's five. Why are you here? And they said, Nobody's hired us. You know what he saw right there? He saw men that still needed work. 
He had compassion towards him. He has back there, you, you, you're still here. And they waited. They said, no, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. The day's not over. Those five, the, that last group could have easily have said, forget this, I'm going home. But they seized the opportunity they had when it hit. Don't miss your opportunities to work for the Lord. Don't think, well, the opportunity, it's passed by. The days are going by. The time is spent. Don't sit back and think, well, there's no reason for me to get involved. And just trust it in, and say you're trusting in your own excuses. Take advantage, take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord does give you. I mean, you could think of those, uh, Matthew chapter 8, who had missed their opportunities, basically. The one comes to Christ and says, Lord, I'm ready to follow you. Are you? The foxes have hold, the birds of the air have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head. But the, he knew their heart. He knew, you're not ready to follow me. The second one comes up, I- I'm ready to follow you. And he said, but, but first, uh, uh, he actually called to him first, if I remember right, to come follow me. Uh, well, I want to, but first let me go and bury my, my father. He had a divided heart. Take advantage of the opportunities that God puts before you. You can look at the young boy who had the five loaves and the two fishes. He took advantage of the opportunities that was given. He could have said, well, I'm not even going to offer this up right now. Um, or if they come and ask, I'm saying, no, no, it's, it's just not available. It's just, it's, what's it going to do? This is, again, it goes back to the first principle of just simply trusting in the Lord. Not in your own reasons and everything else. Trust in Christ. And then lastly, let me finish you up with this. What we see happening with this, these men was covetousness did take over. Covetousness will blind you to God's goodness. It is the opposite of contentment. It's the opposite of contentment. <clears throat> these men were not content, even though, let's not forget, they were receiving very good pay. Their covetousness blinded them to the goodness of the Lord. As the Bible says, coveting will cause you to what? Err from the faith. It will. It blinds you to what is right. It changes your perspective. You have trouble seeing God's goodness. You have trouble seeing where God's working in your life. Because all of a sudden life is way too self-centered. And you fail to see where God's working in other areas. It becomes about you. And make no mistake, when you leave contentment, you open the door for covetousness to set in in many different ways in your life. I mean, how often have we heard the stories or know people personally where all of a sudden you see a contentment no longer in place. A desire for something that, you know, that is controlled more by covetousness than any godly desire for glorifying God. Well, if if I can just get this 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 other position with this better pay, I can get this whatever, whatever the devil is using in their mind. Then all of a sudden they get it. You can just see him 
less and less. Less time for God, less time. Covetousness is blinding them. Before you know it, it takes them right out of God's will. You can think of those who were destroyed because the, all of a sudden contentment was gone or it caused or it wreaked havoc in their life. You can think of Adam and Eve in the garden. This is an area that, that, that got attacked. They were content all of a sudden when the devil tried to get them to doubt God's goodness that you really could have something so much better than what you have right now. Even though it's perfect right now. Think of that. They're in a perfect environment. Lot, who I already mentioned, heading towards Sodom. Covetousness pulling him that way. Not decisions what will glorify God. David with Bathsheba. So often, we cannot see God's goodness because of our own selfishness. When God is good in somebody else's life, we think that should be us. Instead of rejoicing for those that God is showing grace to. That's probably all I have. That's why when all of us read that parable, there's not, there's not a whole lot of people the first time you go through that, you read that and you're rejoicing at God's grace in that parable. That's because of how twisted our sin nature can be and how we perceive things. And I do think in all honesty, to be fair to that, the word penny throws us. <laughs> so, in conclusion, we're to trust in God's benevolence, not our own bargains with God. Trust in God's grace, knowing that He is good and that He is just. You can trust in that. He rewards it. Don't miss the opportunities that He gives you because of whatever might come about. I mean, think of it. These men, what they're going to lose in the days to come, if they don't get that right. If they don't, if they don't change their perspective, they're going to miss out on working for the guy who is clearly the best in the area to work for. But they're going to miss out. I'm not going to do it. I saw what he did to me. Yet he paid you a great wage. And he showed grace to other men. I, you can just see his compassion those guys. Think of how desperate that last group was to still be standing there. They want to eat. That's what they want. They want dinner. Nobody's hired us yet. And you can think how excited the Lord of the house was to be able, the Lord of the, of, of, of the house, of the, the, the employer, to be able to hand them that pay. To be excited to show them what he was going to give them. And like he told that, that last group, don't think evil of my goodness. That's what was happening. Don't miss those opportunities that God puts before you. With heads bowed and eyes closed.